What is Together 2020 and should your teen attend? How can a pastor avoid committing plagiarism? And how can we warn others to avoid false teachers like Jonathan Kahn? The answers to these questions when we understand the text. This is when we understand the text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ, that we may be conformed in His image until the day He comes in glory. Visit our website at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. So this is the day after Thanksgiving. Yes, it is. Happy Black Friday. Happy Black Friday, everybody. Yay. It's weird to wish somebody a black day. Yeah. Happy Black Day. Kind of odd. <laughs> sure. I avoid... Black Friday like the plague, like the Black Plague. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> there was one time, one time I went out for Black Friday shopping. Well, with the exception of that one time, we were driving through Kansas City on Black oh, Friday. Do you right. remember that? Yes, I do. We were coming back from visiting my family, so it was... I asked you over and over, are you sure this is okay? Are you sure? <laughs> sure, sure. So she actually wanted to brave the crowds. I sat in the car. <laughs> But there was, uh, this is like a dozen years ago, I had a friend that worked at Best Buy and, uh-huh. and got me into Best Buy 15 minutes before the doors open. So I just went to the DVD bin and grabbed a couple of things. I didn't have a lot of money at the time, so it wasn't nice. like I could snag a TV. Right. Uh, what benefit was a washing machine to me at that time. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to, I got a few DVDs and then the... Then I went and stood in line waiting for the doors to open. And, oh, man, it was a madhouse. Was it really? They There, there were people lined up outside anyway. They had been sleeping in tents the night before. Oh, wow. It really was like you see in wow. uh, on the news or something like that. People falling over each other. There were people that shoving past crazy. one another. Yes, it was. It was nutty. Okay, so the, the Black Fridays that I've been to, um, I don't get there at opening but I get there, I don't know, within an hour of opening. And it's dead. It's usually just <laughs> dead. And then right af- right as I'm checking out is when the, the customers start piling in. Yeah. And so I don't know if there's like a rush in the beginning and then a lull and then a rush again, you know, or what. But I think it depends on where you live, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Kansas. So, yeah. <laughs> this that. was in Texas, though. This was oh, in Dallas. Okay. So that makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. More people. I, I think it is Less a <laughs> yeah. I think it is a great irony, though. I mean, speaking something about our American culture, that we go from Thanksgiving Day. Oh yeah. To the, I'm going to run you over with my car. Exactly right. The maddest commercial shopping spree of the year oh. is the very next day. We go from thanking the Lord our God to mowing each other down. And of course, people don't. Uh, most people are not spending Thanksgiving thanking God, right? Because uh, the uh, the holiday has kind of lost that meaning. That is where the holiday comes from, right? Exactly. It is the pilgrims thanking God for everything that the Lord had provided for them. When the first pilgrims came over on the Mayflower, they read Psalm 100. When they saw land. They read Psalm 100 together. Make huh. a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever 
and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. You can make that your Thanksgiving Day psalm. Yeah. Because that was... That's awesome. That was that first psalm that was read when uh, the first... Uh, refugees came over to the United States trying <laughs> yeah. to escape from religious persecution, yeah. looking for a place where they could serve their God and uh, and not fear the persecution of their government. Mm-hmm. That was how the United States was founded. Yeah. And uh, the meaning behind the first Thanksgiving holiday as well. It's very cool. Yes. Very cool story. And of course, uh, I saw that Founders Ministry, they had uh, pub- published an article on this just yesterday. Mm-hmm. But every day is a Thanksgiving day for the Christian. Amen. So we do need to give thanks every single day. Thursday, uh, that last Thursday in November is a great excuse to eat some turkey and stuffing mm-hmm. and have a holiday and get together as a family. But for the believer, every day is a day to wake up and rejoice with Thanksgiving for all that God has done yes. and has given to us. Amen. Now, if if this was uh, not the day after Thanksgiving, which, of course, we recorded this episode on Thanksgiving Day. Right. If this was any other day and not a holiday, I would have liked to have had some Chick-fil-A. Ah, yeah. But we couldn't get it on Thursday. They would have been closed. Yeah. But we have some Chick-fil-A with us and we're eating our Chick-fil-A and saying, hey, even though Chick-fil-A threw all of their conservative friends and Christians under the bus, Mm -hmm. we're still eating our Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Yes. (laughs) Under the bus and rolled over a mattress. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. That's the truth. Folks, everything that you've heard about Chick-fil-A having abandoned their Christian and family values is true. Mm. Like there's some that are saying, hey, we need to be we, we need to not be quick to judge. We need to be slow. We need to assess these things. No, they really have abandoned their Christian values. Hmm. They are supporting uh, pro gay, pro abortion organizations now and uh, and all the things that they stood for, even though the LGBTQ lobby was attempting to bully Chick-fil-A into submission. They caved. Yeah, uh, I know that the Kathy family is still coming out trying to say, no, we're still faithful to our christian values and on the kathy family's part that may be true but chick-fil-a as an organization is not right they did absolutely cave to the culture that's sad now that doesn't mean that i'm going to stop eating chick-fil-a i'm not in favor of a boycott here because quite frankly any other restaurant that i eat at probably does the same as chick-fil-a with their money or worse worse yeah that's (laughs) what i was thinking when i'm looking for a good chicken sandwich yeah i can still go to chick-fil-a the sweet tea is going to be that less sweet. Mm. It's still a good chicken sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I bring that up, not just, you know, to make a statement about Chick-fil-A. We have received a few emails about it. Oh, have we? Uh, I didn't pull anything up, but a couple of people had asked, hey, what's your take on Chick-fil-A? Should we be boycotting Chick-fil-A? Gotcha. I don't really know what that would accomplish. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that if you would well, write them. obviously it accomplished something with all of those people and then they cave in. Or that they were. I think that was more that was more of a PR kind of a thing. Yeah, because the LGBTQ folks, they were not hurting Chick-fil-A. See, you see, Chick-fil-A caved when they didn't have to. Yeah, they are still one of the leading restaurants in the U.S. I think there was a a report that came out earlier this year, too, that said it is the most successful fast food chain. Hmm. Uh, I think their capital that they have coming in is even greater than McDonald's. Yeah. Even though McDonald's only exceeds Chick-fil-A because there's more McDonald's restaurants than there are Chick-fil-A restaurants. But per restaurant, Chick-fil-A brings in more than McDonald's does. Hmm. So they're on top of everything. And and even though you've got these hate groups that are 
that are labeling Chick-fil-A a hate group right. because they claim Chick-fil-A is giving to hate groups. Right. Even though all of that was out there, it wasn't hurting Chick-fil-A. Right. But they caved anyway. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. But they've got liberal uh, people at the top, mm. not part of the Kathy family, but, uh, yeah. you know, that influence. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of did with Chick-fil-A what they wanted to do. Mm. Well, I brought all that up, though, with the Chick-fil-A because, uh, um, yeah, like I said, there were some folks that were asking about it. Mm-hmm. But Theology Driven was talking about it on their podcast. Oh, were they? Yes. So <laughs> Scott Hunt from Theology Driven uh, was talking about the Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. Uh-huh. Now, now that uh, Chick-fil-A is caved to the culture, I'm probably more inclined to go to Popeye's than I was before. I'm not. <laughs> but that's a different issue. I know. <laughs> Becky can't eat at Popeye's. I can't. They have shrimp. Yep. It's a bummer. She's allergic to shellfish. And it's bad. So if I go eat at Popeye's, mm-hmm. I have to really brush my teeth and rinse my mouth out with some Listerine before I kiss my wife. Yep. Lest I could potentially contaminate her with the some... The kiss of uh, death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be fun. She's that allergic to shellfish. Yeah. It could. She could go into anaphylactic shock and... Yay, fine. Airway close up. It's it's um Did we talk about this happening on like our second date? I can't remember if we mentioned this before. I I don't remember if we went that far. <laughs> I know I've talked about it before. We've shared it before. I don't yeah. know if it was on the podcast, but yeah, went to a sandwich place in Wichita and Oh, yeah. Turned out the egg salad was right next to like the crab salad. Yeah. And then, uh, yep, she took one bite of that egg salad sandwich. and Oh, no, it was more than one bite because I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good. You started devouring it. I did. I about killed my girlfriend on a second date. You know, it's all right. <laughs> but I think you know how it ended because Becky is still with us I to this am, day. And I married you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I didn't hurt my chances there. Everything worked out okay. <laughs> Happily ever after ending. If you could handle me in my most dramatic scene, <laughs> <laughs> you can handle me at anything. So <laughs> It was like a Nicolas Cage moment. She hit, oh, stop. hit her knees in the middle of the restaurant no. with her EpiPen and drove no. it into her heart. I didn't <gasps> use the EpiPen. We stopped eating and we drove over to the <laughs> convenience store and I got some Benadryl and we're good. And a cold water. And then we had to drive two hours home after that. Yep. So that was that was adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> so she made it. We got home okay. Didn't even have to go to the emergency room. Nope. Turned Praise out all the right. Lord. So we can't eat at Popeyes. I can yeah. eat at Popeyes. Right. We can't eat at Popeyes. Correct. I took Annie and Zeej to Popeyes. Yes. And that was when I tried their spicy chicken sandwich for the first time. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it was a little over uh, a little overhyped. But but it could be the restaurant too. Yes, that does kind of differ from restaurant to restaurant. That's true. But I still I still felt like, you know, because <laughs> you're reading news about people getting into fist fights oh, over the spicy yeah. chicken so sandwich. You, just, you do have a, a very high, um, uh, not standard, but high expectation. Uh, right. When you're uh, reading stories yes. like that. Right. Of course. It's got to be amazing. <laughs> this yeah. had better knock my socks off. Right. If you're willing to knock somebody else's lights out in order right. to get one. Right. Exactly. So I, I'm trying the sandwich. It's all right. And, and Scott Hunt was, uh, well, I'll say it was a little better than all right. It was a very good sandwich. Mm-hmm. But it was all right in the sense that I was expecting something more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Given all the Kinda press. down a little bit. Right. It was a good sandwich. I enjoyed Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. Uh-huh. I will probably order it again. 
But uh, Scott Hunt was talking about it on Twitter and saying that it was better than Chick-fil-A's spicy chicken sandwich. It was really that statement that drove me. Ah, drove me. Uh, Theology uh, driven. Yes. Yeah. It was that <laughs> statement that drove me to try it because it's uh-huh. like, there's no way yeah. that this is better than Chick-fil-A's spicy chicken sandwich. It's not. Yeah. Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich is not better than Chick-fil-A's spicy chicken sandwich. But given that Chick-fil-A was willing to throw all of their Christian support under the bus, I might be more inclined to eat a Popeye's mm. chick, uh, spicy chicken sandwich now. Yeah, without me. <laughs> without my wife. Um, We would go to Zaxby's. But we don't have any. Yes. So that we're kind of out. That's what Todd Friel raves about. Yes. That Zaxby's is better than... I have than, tried Zaxby's. It's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. It's good fried chicken. Yeah. I still when don't we think it's better than there. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not, we're not down there. If you want a good fried chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A's still the king here. Mm. I think it would be neat if Chick-fil-A were to add a, uh, like a crispier chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah? A little bit more crispy than the way they make it. Okay. Uh, also, I wish Chick-fil-A would do like family packs. Ah, yes. Because for us to eat at Chick-fil-A, the it's six expensive. of us, it's, it is really expensive. I think we're spending somewhere around 40 bucks. Yeah. For, we, we can't do that every For time. the six of us, if we're being careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very true. And Popeye's does do the family meals. Like you can order a family meal. Oh, kind of like, well, you know, going to KFC. Yeah. Anyway, so back to Chick-fil-A. Back to Theology Driven and theology Chick-fil-A. Theology Driven. So on the most recent episode of Theology Driven, where they're talking about holiness, uh-huh. they were on the way to Popeye's so Kevin could try this spicy chicken sandwich. Okay. And uh, <laughs> there was a funny little bit where uh, Scott tried to do his best Gabe Hughes impression. Oh, my goodness. So not only trying the new Popeye sandwich, but also uh, making fun of me in that I wasn't so wowed by the chicken sandwich to be convinced that it was better than Chick-fil-A's. Uh-huh. So here is Theology Driven and Scott Hunt's imitation of Gabe Hughes. All right. <laughs> that, I may or may that. not be on the way to Popeye's right now, though, because <laughs> oh. I haven't had the sandwich yet. So. Oh, oh it's get so it, good. Get the Cajun. It's get so Cajun. good. It's so good, man. I don't care what I don't care what Gabe Hughes says. He's dead wrong. (laughs) That dude's wrong. But I will say, I I really respect Gabe Hughes for risking his Christian celebrity status by acknowledging that it was a good sandwich. That's dangerous to do, man. All those homeschool moms are like, "What he say? Are you kidding me?" Oh, homeschool homeschool moms don't. Well, no, homeschool moms listen to him, but. Yeah, he's, he's, all, he's all like, he's all like, hello, welcome to, uh, uh, what? I know that's not how it goes, but I can't, I can't even get my voice that deep. It's like, hi, also, welcome. It's- my name is Gabe Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing Becky snatched him up first, because I'd have married him too. <laughs> uh, uh, that's weird. All right. Uh, he would block himself on Twitter. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I was in radio for 22 years uh-huh. before I became a pastor. Right. That is one of the funniest on-air bits I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> I cracked up. And you still crack up. This is like what, I, the yes. fifth time you've heard it. Yeah, something like that. Or yeah. more. I'm still laughing. And he's still laughing. <laughs> I mean, there may be some personal reasons why I found that so funny, but it, it was truly <laughs> hilarious. 
And then they threw in an impression at the end, too. So I, <laughs> somehow I morphed into Barry White in, uh, in Scott Hunt's impression of me. That was great, guys. Uh, so Theology Driven is doing what I wanted to do mm-hmm. when I was a program director in Christian radio. I wanted to put together a morning team uh-huh. that drove around. Uh, and they were doing the morning show as they were driving. Hmm. And I just could never find a team that I could put together to do that. So these guys with their podcast uh-huh. driving around and talking theology, that's that's pretty amazing. That's my favorite podcast gimmick, yeah. I have to say. I like the driving around and talking theology. And it's called Theology Driven. It all works out. That uh, website address even wasn't taken. Oh, so wow. when they started this uh, this podcast, they were able to purchase that website. So hmm. you can go to theologydriven.com, org. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, I think it's dot .com. Yeah. Well, I know that to link to the uh, podcast, you just go theologydriven.podbean.com. Mm-hmm. That'll get you straight to it. Uh, uh, just Thinking has the best podcast name. Yeah. You can stop trying to come up with the most creative podcast name. It's already taken. Just Thinking has it. But Theology Driven has the best, like, gimmick. Yes. So I like what they do. That's awesome. Good job, guys. Thank you so much for the shout out as well. Um, I I hate podcasts that are like the something cast or the something podcast. Oh, You know, like all the names. Something something cast. Uh You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Okay, I'll throw out an example. The Robcast, which is Rob Bell's podcast. Okay. I, I was the only names that were coming to mind were names of podcasts I don't want you to listen to. So that's why I was <laughs> I was kind of avoiding saying something there. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really a podcast um, fanatic or hardly at all. <laughs> I guess I just don't have time. Yeah. So anyway, the something cast. Like yeah. in my view, you didn't even try to come up with a good name for your right. <laughs> your podcast and i also hate the word podcast i talked about this the very first episode of when we understand the text that we ever did Mm -hmm. because it was so difficult for me to adjust from saying broadcast for 20 years right and now i had to be saying podcast because broadcast just has a good theological uh, explanation behind why that word gets used for sending out signals through the radio waves or through televisions, Mm -hmm. why we called it broadcasting. It comes from when farmers would go out to the field and they would dip their hand in their seed bag and scatter the seed. Right. That was broadcasting. And that very same understanding of Uh, of casting seed went into sending out a signal through radio waves. Hmm. It was broadcasting. So how did podcasting come about? Because of iPod. Because Apple started the iPod. Got it. And then when people started their own uh, programs Mm. that that were all part of Apple's podcast network, it it just got called podcast. Gotcha. That's where that comes from. It's another reason why I I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It's all connected with Apple. Not even an Apple guy to begin with. Anyway, we've been jabbering for like 20 minutes here. We have. This is the Friday edition of When We Understand the Text. <laughs> and we take your questions and you can send them to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Uh, this first one has to do with an event that's coming to Washington, D.C. Hello, Gabe and Becky. I have two questions for you. So there's two here. A couple of okay. weeks ago in a Sunday sermon, you mentioned your youth going through catechism. I was wondering if you could explain that a little more, and is there a curriculum that you use? Hmm. Let's sit on that question first, because 
Uh, this is Becky that leads this catechism with our kids at church. Yeah, it's it's actually during service, so it's only about five minutes long. Yeah. You know, occasionally it'll run over if I have some talkers um, who insist on talking into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little kids. Yes. That's what they, they want to do. They, they are little enough that they're not afraid to come up to the front and sit down. So it's not... It's not too, um, maybe, um, I think a middle schooler, I think, is the oldest. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And it's only if they're, usually the middle schooler's bringing up a little kid with them. Right. So, yeah. I mean, right. the average age of the kids that come up there. Or elementary. Yeah, five, six, seven years old. Yeah. And then um, I just walk them through a question and then the answer. And right. And then take them to the Bible with it. So it's, um, we use Keech's Catechism. Yes. The Baptist Catechism. Yeah. And um, we just go one question at a time. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So you can find Keech's Catechism just doing a Google search for it. The one that I typically read off of is at reformedreader.org. But when we do these questions with the kids, since most of our kids are five or six years old, I will adjust the question a little bit and the answer a little bit. Right. Just for the sake of shortening it up. Mm-hmm. Not to change any of the meaning at all, but just to shorten it or or to simplify big words. Right. Now, my recommendation, if you're doing catechism as a family, is to do it as it's written. And then look up the words. And then look up the words, explain them with your kids. Yeah. Right. When we do this in church and we're just trying to get the kids to repeat what we're telling them. And I have five minutes to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and she only has just like a couple of minutes to do it. Uh, we we want to make it short and simple enough that they can remember it and they can repeat it back. Mm-hmm. But when you do it as a family, you want to do the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. You want to repeat the question and the answer several times. Right. So that your kids get it. And those bigger words you're looking up together. Right. And the benefit of Keech's catechism is it even gives you the scripture references. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. This is the this is the first place I would send you for catechism as a family, is doing Benjamin Keech's catechism, also known as the Baptist catechism. And it is, of course, taken from the Westminster Confession, mm-hmm. but uh, but of course, baptized <laughs> <laughs> and simplified a little bit as well. So yeah. you take question number one. And when we do this with our family, when we do this with our kids, mm-hmm. it goes something like this. Question one, who is the first and best of beings? Answer, God is the first and best of beings. Mm-hmm. And so then we do that together with the kids. We might shorten it. Question, who is the first and best of beings? And the kids go, question, who is the first? Who is the first and best of being? <laughs> and then answer. And then they'll go, answer. God is the first and best of beings. Now, that's the first question. And that one's very simple. But then you get into like question five. How do we know that the Bible is the word of God? Answer. The Bible evidences itself to be God's word by the heavenliness of its doctrine, the unity of its parts, its power to convert sinners and to edify saints. But the spirit of God only bearing witness by and with the scriptures in our hearts is able fully to persuade us that the Bible is the word of God. That's the answer. Which is pretty lengthy to reply. <laughs> That's right. For five and six and seven year olds. Now, uh, now we've got a whiteboard. In a five minute period. <laughs> yeah. We've got a whiteboard up front where the kids are kind of reading that off the whiteboard. Right. But they don't all read. So it is very much a, a um, call and repeat. Yes. Call and response. Call and response. Call, right. But it's 
Yeah, say and repeat, I guess. And we break it up a little bit. Right. So Becky will start with the question. She'll explain it with scripture, and then she'll do the question again, and they repeat it back to her. Right. And then the kids kind of all go back to their seats. Right. I've done it before, too. I've led it before, and we've had some other folks in our church that have led the catechism. Mm -hmm. But this is where, this is what we come back to. We come back to Keech's catechism and do it from this. And I even give the Bible reference, and I I give a little time, so that way, because I hear some of the parents and some of the adults in the in the church um, in the sanctuary saying or flipping through to find the reference. Right, they're trying to write it down. Yes, I can't spit all this out. Sorry. And we leave the whiteboard up because then folks will come up to it after church yeah. is over and they'll write down the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's helpful for everybody. Yeah, but and all of this just uh, to communicate basic mm-hmm. Christian principle and truth, right? Through the form of catechism. Yeah, the foundation. Yep, foundational doctrines, things like that. Uh, the Keech's Catechism has over 100 questions in it, 120. I think it depends on which one you find, because sometimes there's fewer, sometimes there's more. Hmm. Uh, but that's the one I recommend. So thank you for your question. This is, by the way, Wayne from, from Minnesota who's okay. asking this question. That was his first question. His second one is this. My church's youth group is planning to go to Together 2020 in Washington, D.C. next June. I looked at the website, and it seems pretty vague. Our youth pastor said it is an evangelistic slash worship event. Do you know anything about this event or its organizers, Luis Palau? I have a 15-year-old, and I want to make a wise decision on whether to send him or not. Yes, I do know what Together 2020 is. Have nothing to do with it. It is. Oh? It's incredibly ecumenical. So yeah. it's like... Uh, <laughs> Pretty much anybody of any faith can come be a part of it as long as you recognize you pretty much just have to say Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, okay. And you can be part of Together 2020. I don't know if you remember hearing about this or not. I know that I was watching it four years ago. I'm just, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but there was an event that was in Washington, D.C., a Christian event. It was broadcasting online. Mm -hmm. I was watching it here at the house. So I was watching the live stream about halfway into it. They called it off because of heat. There were people passing out because it was so hot in Washington, D.C. on that day. Okay, And so the authorities in D.C. had to shut the event down because... Teenagers were not being safe. They weren't being smart out there. Mm -hmm. People were getting overheated. And so they had to end it early. And there were some Christian bloggers that were hopping online after that going, God shuts down together 2016. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if you remember that or not. No, So not really. Part of this event, it's all the same event. Part of this event included a video greeting from Pope Francis. Oh, and there were also new apostolic reformation guys that were a part of it, like Lou Engel, hmm. um, uh, Rodriguez, I can't uh, Samuel Rodriguez, okay, uh, who's a, an NAR guy. Francis Chan is part of it, um, and uh, uh, Matt Hall, I think is his name. It's kind of escaping me at the moment. He's the guy that organizes it. It's actually not Luis Palau. It's unless hmm. it's Luis Palau's evangelistic organization, but even Luis Palau is very ecumenical Mm -hmm. Uh, in the stuff that he does in the evangelistic ministry events that he does he partners with catholic churches in those communities so it's very much kind of a thing of hey we couldn't beat the catholics so let's join them yeah (laughs) and they they don't try to convert catholics at all 
if a person says they're Catholic, they're like, great. And we'll even encourage them to continue going to their Catholic church. Hmm. So as long as they're willing to do that, the Catholic church is willing to partner with them because it's yeah. like, hey, we'll just bring people from your evangelistic event over to our Catholic church. Right. And they get filled up with the heresies of Rome. So that's why I'm telling you, don't have anything to do with these together events You've got new apostolic reformation guys. You've got Roman Catholic Church. There's going to be a few sound people in there. Uh, there will. Uh, and I and when I say sound, meaning they're not heretics. Right. But they're still probably not teachers. I would let stand in my pulpit. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's together. Twenty twenty for you in a nutshell. Uh, and thank you for your question, Wayne. My advice would be spend your money elsewhere. Yeah. If you want to send your teen to an event like that. There's something else you can do other than that. Yeah. I mean, you can probably do ShepCon if you wanted to, or hey, it couldn't be Truth Matters because they're not doing it. Yeah, they only do it once every five years or something like. That. Yeah, <laughs> but G3 that would be another one. Yeah, that'd be good. And by the way, uh, G3's got a Black Friday sale going on today. Oh, really? I could have plugged that at the very beginning, but yeah, you can get uh, discounted rate today only. If you got uh, your admission to G3. Awesome. You don't have to send him to a youth event. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't have to be like a youth centric. Yeah, because usually those are not so. They're kind of wonky. Yes. (laughs) They're really not great. Yeah. More often than not. I'm not dogging on all of them, but usually they're not. Uh, But something like G3, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be solid teaching. And it's something you can do together with your son as well. Yep. Father-son field trip. There you go. Definitely. All right. Next question comes. Field trip from Minnesota. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Minnesota down to Atlanta. Hey, Todd Friel did it. Yeah. um, Drive safely, though. (laughs) Because that time of year always seems to have something going on weather-wise. Yeah, it does. Well, especially leaving Minnesota. You're going to be in it longer than not. Last year was okay. Getting down to Atlanta wasn't too bad. It was all right. Uh, this getting back, that was our problem. That was, we ran into all the it. snow yep. heading back. Yes, we did. This next question is from Vitas from Trinidad. Ooh, fun. Hey, we can uh, knock off another country on our map yeah, up there. Awesome. We got an email from Trinidad, just north of Venezuela. That's I am so cool. Vitas from Trinidad. Shout out to all the listeners in the Caribbean. <laughs> I appreciate your videos, your daily podcasts, and your Sunday sermons. You are truly an example for young men and husbands in the faith. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. That is very kind. May God continue to use you for his glory. In light of your preaching ministry, how do you deal with the concept of borrowing ideas from others and representing it as your own? Do you ever read a good book or hear a sermon and and you say, wow, those are some great points, especially when it is about your uh, about a chapter or topic that you're going to do. Thus, to what extent can you emulate this teacher? Can you do like the typical sermon in a box and preach a message that you did not prepare? Should you slightly change some of the words so that if it were scanned by a plagiarism software, it would pass the test? Or should you try your best to have a brain wipe, then prepare a message avoiding Mm. any similarity, lest you can be accused of copying and being unoriginal? There might be some false dichotomies there, but I hope you get the point. Can your sermon prep just be to read what Spurgeon slash MacArthur slash some favorite teacher had to teach on the matter and just represent it as your own? 
This is even considering after you open the Bible and study the text, but X person preached it so much better. Hmm. Grace and peace to you. Well, this is a great question, and I loved how thorough you were with the question as well. Yeah. Uh, I certainly would not recommend a brain wipe. That was kind of the last, oh, yeah. the last part of your question. Should you try your best to have a brain wipe? I, I don't even know how you would function like that. Yeah. Anything that I preach on is going to be a culmination of not just the things that I was studying during the week, mm-hmm. but things that I've been studying for a lifetime. Right. And all of those things come together in the sermon that I'm going to preach. Mm-hmm. Now, there's probably going to be I don't I don't read my sermon from a script. Right. So if um, if somebody if that's the way you preach, and I'm not dogging on that. I think that's great. And I love the exactness of that. But for me, as far as my delivery goes, I only occasionally preach mm-hmm. from a script. Um, uh, most of the time. When you're hearing the sermons, especially the ones that we upload online, I've only got one page of notes or even a note card is Mm -hmm. all I've got that just outlines my points. If I've got any quotes that I'm using in the sermon, they're going to be on a sheet of paper so that I'm accurately representing that quote. Right. Uh, Or if there's scripture scripture references that I'm sure I'm not going to remember Mm. (laughs) (laughs) might be a pretty good chunk of text that I have to quote. That's all going to be on that sheet of paper as well. Mm -hmm. But I seldom actually read my sermon word for word. If a person's going to do their sermon like that, I think that there's a greater burden on that person who does a scripted sermon to have to quote exactly who they're referencing and where they got the source from. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, it's it's a lot more difficult to kind of summarize a point and claim it as your own if you're taking it almost word for word from somebody else. I think that the person who's scripting a sermon is going to be more obligated to actually quote who it is that they're referencing. Mm-hmm. And that way they get it right and not try to claim it as their own. Right. Um, now, there's some Romans 14 territory going on here. So remember, Romans 14 is the Christian liberty chapter. Like, uh, uh, you're in sin if you think you're in sin. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you think it's sin, don't do it. Right. So if you are, if you're reading something from somebody and you're looking at this quote going, boy, I really, really like that, but I don't want to say it's from John MacArthur or something mm-hmm. like that. Or I think I can word this a different way and I can claim it as my own. If you do something like that and in your mind you're feeling guilty about doing that or you think you're doing something sneaky with it. Right. Now you're sinning. Mm-hmm. Will somebody catch you? Probably not. But you're still between you and God. Is your conscience clear mm-hmm. when you're standing at the pulpit and you're delivering this sermon to an audience? If you're trying to take someone else's idea and make it your own, so you're basically impressing the people mm-hmm. on your theological wit, you're no longer serving God, you're serving man. Mm-hmm. You're trying to gain the approval of man rather than the approval of God. So you're saying to be very careful with that. Yeah, you do need to be careful with that in the way that you approach it. Uh, in First Timothy chapter 1, right at the start of the letter, that Paul is telling to Timothy as he is sending him to be the lead pastor in Ephesus, basically. Mm-hmm. He says in 1 Timothy 1.5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience mm-hmm. and a sincere faith. Yeah. So our approach when we preach, we must be pure of heart. And I mean, our pursuit must be holiness 
And we should not even be bringing our sin into the pulpit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like what? uh, How have you been behaving over the course of the week? Have you been pursuing that sanctification and desiring to grow in righteousness and holiness? Yeah. Or are you enjoying some kind of a sin and thinking, hey, nobody knows about this. Right. Uh, It's one of those secret things. I can still kind of have this and step into the pulpit and I look great to everybody on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Well, now you're compromising that pure heart approach. Right. And we must... We must uh, uh, issue from a pure heart and a good conscience. Mm-hmm. So as you're preaching, if you're manipulating somebody else's quote, trying to claim it as your own, so you look, look like this great preacher to your congregation, yeah. you're compromising your conscience. Yeah. And then a sincere faith. We truly believe what we're saying. Mm. And we don't believe it just because it's somebody else's thoughts, mm-hmm. but it is ours. Now, of course, what I'm saying here, I'm kind of morphing into... The question that's being asked. Right. This isn't strictly the application of it, but it is one way that this can apply. And then Paul goes on to say in verse six, certain persons by swerving from these, get this, have wandered away into vain discussion. Hmm. So again, if you're manipulating a quote so that you're gaining the, uh, uh, you know, making people impressed with you. Right. This is vanity. Mm-hmm. You are now doing this for your own sake rather than the benefit of the souls that you are to be shepherding. Mm-hmm. And of course, doing all things to the glory of God alone. Verse seven. Well, let me start at verse six again. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make their confident assertions. So let me ask you this. Why did you manipulate the quote from somebody else Mm -hmm. to be your own? Is it because you didn't actually understand what you were preaching about? And so you've taken from somebody else and claimed it as your own to make other people think that you understand this topic when you really didn't understand it in the first place? Hmm. So you would be among those who don't actually understand what they're saying or the things about which they make their confident assertions. I was thinking that maybe you learn from a teacher that your congregation isn't really accepting of. Yes. Um, And that you don't want to quote that person because of it distracting from what you're saying. That's a good point. And I have done that before. Have you? Yes. And that was uh, specifically John Calvin. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There was at the time there was some uh, uh, conflict that was going on in our church over Calvinism Mm -hmm. and anything that even remotely sounded like Calvinism. Right. There were some people that were really uptight and up in arms over that. Right now, there's Mm -hmm. there's not that problem at all i mean we're going through reform systematic theology from joel beakey that's our men's group so (laughs) (laughs) plenty of john calvin in there but uh but yeah and and so in one of my sermons i was quoting john calvin but not saying that it was calvin Mm -hmm. uh and there were times when i was either referencing him word for word or i would remember that i had read calvin during the week and would present the thought Mm -hmm. but not ascribe it to calvin and it wasn't a word for word quotation right but i did that on purpose and the reason for that was later on when i was talking with some of those persons who were being conflicting over the whole calvinism issue Mm -hmm. i was able to say well that thing that i said on sunday in relation to the text did you agree with that yes that was john calvin Mm -hmm. that's where i got that from yeah so uh, i don't know that i can't remember if in that process 
or, or during that season, I can't remember if I directly quoted Calvin or I was just borrowing the thought. I don't actually remember. Mm. I think if I directly quoted him, I probably said something like one theologian has said, da, 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 right. da. you know, I would, right. I would do it like that. But um, my my philosophy on that is give credit where credit is due. Right. And um, also understand that as you're reading and growing everybody's going to start sounding alike a lot or at least a lot alike. True. Yes. And so there's going to be some repeats of, you know, I had this thought it was great, you know, or um, this point about this passage and, and those sort of things that, that it's, it's going to sound pretty similar. Right. Exactly. And it will. Right. And that's okay. I sound like my dad. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) that's where I got most of what it is that, uh, that I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. There have been occasions where I didn't, I didn't reference anyone at all. And probably because I didn't know that I needed to reference anybody in the, Mm -hmm. in what I was saying. Yeah. And someone came up to me afterward and said, yeah, that thing you said about this Sproul said that. Mm-hmm. And I would say, oh, okay, well, that's probably where I got it from. Yeah. But I I just don't remember that. Right. You know, it was it was years ago. I've been listening to... And it could be five different people that said the exact that's same true. thing. true. Exactly. Um, not the exact same way, but have the same point. And so, yeah, you just, you can't reference all of them. <laughs> yeah. So. It, it, right. It, sometimes it's impossible to, to do. Right. Uh, honestly, I, I, that's I think... That's where it gets a little tricky. Yeah, I know. Yeah, some of that stuff does get a little tricky. But I think you uh, you apply that instruction that Paul gives there in 1 Timothy 1.5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Mm. Is your motivation out of love for other people and to the glory of God? Right. That's Then that's what you need to be doing when you're preaching. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can... Uh, drive yourself crazy with these, you know, the, the kind of the fear mongering that goes on over the, yeah. hey, the, the plagiarism police are going to come and get you, you know, right. and just don't even worry about that. Yeah. Uh, now, I do know of a of a pastor. I personally know who this is mm-hmm. uh, who got caught plagiarizing his sermons. Mm-hmm. And I believe that basically every sermon was pretty much plagiarized. Wow. I don't know who caught him and I don't know how that was dealt with. I know that he resigned hmm. and it only came out about a year or two after that. Somebody okay. told me, cause I said, why did so-and-so resign? Hmm. I never actually knew the story on all of that. And someone from the congregation said, cause he was plagiarizing his sermons and it was somebody that was not part of the church that figured that out. Hmm. So they were listening online and, and said, this, this is word for word, this person's sermon. Wow. And so there was dishonesty there. And he mm-hmm. had to be removed from his position. In his case, he he resigned. Uh, I don't know how. I, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the of the details of that whole story, that yeah. scenario. Like, I don't know to what extent he was plagiarizing. Right. But uh, part of uh, the question here, part of um uh, Vita's question. I got to make sure I pronounce his name right. <laughs> he gave me the pronunciation guide. So that is awesome. I can be sure that I got his name right. Good job. Um, it, he's, he also says, like, can you just quote someone's sermon? Mm-hmm. I've done this before. Yeah. I read uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God mm-hmm. from Jonathan Edwards and stood in the pulpit and said, today I'm doing Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Yep. <laughs> So the sermon that I did was not mine. It was Jonathan Edwards, and I just read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do that. I think you need to give credit to who it is that does that, mm-hmm. but um, or who it is you're, you're reading from. I don't think a pastor should do that with any regularity. I was going to say not, not often. Right. 
And I also think if you're going to do something like that, you should probably relegate it to something like a Sunday evening service Mm -hmm. rather than a Sunday morning service. Yeah. Sunday morning, the whole church together is uh, is going through the same thing. You've got a direction. You've got a trajectory. I mean, if there wants to be if the church wants to do something like a famous sermon series where like for eight straight weeks, maybe a different elder is coming up and reading a sermon, a great sermon from the past, Uh from history, from somebody like Edwards or Spurgeon. I don't know. I mean, you could do that. Yeah. I don't see there being any problem with that. There's not really rules. Yeah. Not not so much. I still think, though, the regular diet of the church needs to be expository preaching. Mm-hmm. And the pastor knows how to preach exegetically. And he's standing in the pulpit, opening up the Bible. And you're going through entire book studies together. Yeah. We're finishing up Ephesians in just a couple of weeks. And then I'm going into the book of Matthew. Yep. And everybody knows where I'm going. You know what the sermon's going to be next week. It's yes. just the next part of the text. And so we all grow in this together. I'm bringing to my congregation what God has convicted me with in my study in the previous week. Mm -hmm. And now I'm laying it out on you so you can be convicted about this through the week. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to bring you something else next week from this text that we're studying together. And then in this way, we're all uh, we're all brought under submission Mm -hmm. of the authority of God's word. Right. And we're doing that together. Yes. Pastor, elders, deacons, church body, teachers, uh, no matter who it is in that church, that body is going through the same sanctification by the word of God together. Mm-hmm. Jesus in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. And it is by our study of the word of God that we are made more Christ-like. Right. We are growing more and more in his image, as Becky talked about at the start of the program. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to pull out one more question here. I think we got time okay. for one more. This one is from Chris. Good afternoon, Pastor Gabe. So if you're listening to this in the morning, it, it's uh, a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy listening to you and Becky on the Friday Q&A podcast. Aww. I think I found the what videos via Wretched and I've probably listened to the majority of them so far. Mm-hmm. And from there, I found your podcast on Podbean. The programs have been helpful with regard to biblical hermeneutics, especially for a layman without training in the biblical languages and with rudimentary knowledge of biblical and systematic theology. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was a pretty uh, complicated sentence there for somebody who's just a layman. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're growing uh, there, Chris. Amen to that. You did a what video on Jonathan Kahn? Are there modern day prophets in September of 2017? A family member tipped me off on this guy recently as members in his small church are referencing Khan's books, notably the Oracle most recent as being insightful interpretations of the scriptures. How would you counsel a young adult believer whose church, including pastor, was favorably citing the works of such authors as Jonathan Kahn. I'm going to go ahead and play that video here. Okay. And then we will uh, we'll come back and finish up Chris's question. What? I'm here 
with my friend Jonathan Kahn. You have a new book, The Paradigm. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this. If you had The Paradigm years back, you could actually know the outcome of presidential elections before they happen. It actually reveals, this is from thousands of years ago, Osama bin Laden, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and this is so precise that we have to be prepared. Biblically, in the Old Testament, God would raise up a Jewish prophet. I believe Rabbi Jonathan Kahn has been raised up by God for this moment in history. All right, Jonathan, I need you to pray right now for okay. the rising of that Elijah spirit among okay. the people of God. Father, we ask for the spirit of Elijah to come upon this nation, to come upon the church, come upon the one listening, come on. Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. Paul told Timothy, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. These certain persons have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers without understanding what they're saying or the things about which they make their confident assertions. The stewardship from God is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus forgives sin and gives eternal life to all who repent and believe. Preach that message when we understand the text. You know, I wasn't really trying to uh, make that text in First Timothy 1 a central theme in today's podcast. But, but apparently. <laughs> <laughs> by the providence of God, that's uh, that's how that's turned out. Uh, so Chris goes on with his question. Personally, having checked out some of the interviews Khan has given, I think he's preoccupied with biblical numerology and Old Testament ceremonial law and is trying to eisegete current events uh, headlines into scripture. His theology seems tied to American-Israeli politics, as though what happens in Washington, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem dictates the coming of our Lord. Mm. He tries to pull patterns out of Scripture and apply them to recent current events, claiming that they are secret revelations. I'd say more, but frankly, I think Khan's teachings are dangerous and unbiblical. Thank you, and I hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Well, oh. well, Chris, it's even worse than that. Uh, Jonathan Kahn's a false prophet. Yeah. The, the scriptures regard him as a false prophet. Yeah. And if this were ancient Israel, he would be stoned to death. Yes, he would. And unfortunately, I, the two other names that you hear in there, too, the, the two other voices were uh, Michael Brown mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the guy that hosts Supernatural. Oh, his name escapes me now. Sid Roth. Yeah, the, I think the so. host. Yeah, host of Supernatural. Those two other guys that were in there, they'd mm -hmm. be stoned to death in ancient Israel as well. Yeah, because they also believe these these prophetic visions and utterances, none of which actually ever come true. And Deuteronomy is quite plain on this. If somebody comes yeah. to you saying that they have a vision or a revelation from God, and what they say does not come true, he's a false prophet, and you're to stone him to death. Yep. It's, so that's scary place to be. Yeah, that's frightening. We should yeah. still be terrified of that. When somebody says God said to me or God revealed to me, what should follow that is quoting scripture. Yeah. <laughs> quoting from the Bible. Right? Uh, Chris, I would say how you talk to somebody about this who gets sucked into Jonathan Kahn's nonsense. I would say you go to Hebrews one where uh, as was referenced in that video long ago. At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, mm. whom he has appointed the heir of all things. You start there because reading that verse isn't necessarily going to convince somebody that Jonathan Kahn is wrong. Right. But you begin there because what we have now is the completed word of God. Peter saying in Second Peter 1, mm -hmm. we have the prophetic word 
prophet, once again, prophetic word Mm -hmm. more fully confirmed. Right. So this text is confirmed for us. We don't need modern prophets. They're not going to tell us anything we can't already find in the Bible. Right. And you're absolutely right. Khan eisegetes events into things that are related to Washington and Jerusalem and et cetera. And he does that because it sells, Mm. because it's very popular in America. And we want to think of ourselves as the nation that God favors. So if we show favor to Jerusalem, God will show favor to us because that's the way that's what Israel thought before Mm. Christ came. They thought the way God is going to bless the nations is because those nations are going to bless us. Mm-hmm. And so that's how God is going to work by uh, by those who will bless Israel. But no, all of this was pointing to Christ and those who are in Christ Jesus, God blesses mm-hmm. with the forgiveness of sins and sanctification and the guarantee of uh, his eternal kingdom forever. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That's what Jonathan Kahn needs to be preaching, but that's not what he's preaching. In fact, that uh, particular episode of Supernatural that was segmented in that what video, uh-huh. Jonathan Kahn and Michael Brown never mentioned Christ in that entire video. What? Are you that, kidding me? That entire episode. Nope, not even kidding. Whoa. And they uh, they pray for this Elijah spirit. It's like, what is that? Okay. You know, Michael Brown saying... Can you pray for that Elijah spirit to come upon us? That's weird. It's just utterly nonsense. All they talk about that whole episode is Jonathan Kahn's great revelations that he has of stuff in First and Second Kings relating to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and, mm. uh, and this whole thing. How, how Jehu is like an archetype for Donald Trump, who was going to come later on. What? And and see, this is not prophetic because it's not exposing anything. If all you're doing is looking back at stuff and taking current events and sandwiching it into scripture, then scripture didn't reveal anything about this Mm -hmm. future event as though it was something prophetic that was going to take place. Right. Because you weren't looking for it. Right. You're now looking back at it and you're like, "Ooh, this looks a little coincidental. I think Mm -hmm. something in the Bible happened like this. And so I'm going to make this uh, current event Say, uh, I'm going to make it mean that the Bible prophesied that this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. Which is, that's how he sells his books, though. He's a best-selling uh, author. That's, <laughs> that's how nonsense. he does this. This goes back into, they've wandered into vain discussion. Yes. And that's exactly what Khan's doing there. Sid Roth does it with every episode of Supernatural. And Michael Brown is duped into it as well. And, and there are so many sound teachers that will platform Michael Brown I understand that some of these guys are friends with him. Well, Michael Brown's my friend. I've got friends I would never let on my podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're still my friends, but I, I wouldn't let them preach a sermon in my church. Mm-hmm. Totally different thing. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> that's that the end of the show. the question. <laughs> <laughs> we are now in the Christmas holiday season. Yes, we are. So don't forget the book, 25 Christmas Myths and What the Bible Says. I found the jingle bells. You found the jingle bells. Yeah, because remember back in July, I had the I wanted to have the jingle bells. Anyway. No. Don't explain it to me. We're at the end of the show. Nope, I'm not going to (laughs) explain it. I'm done. Uh, So order the book, 25 Christmas Myths and What the Bible Says. You can get it on Amazon. You'll have it in time for the first day of Advent. Well, probably not because that's Sunday. Yeah. December 1st. Yeah. But you can catch up. Yeah, you can catch up. Do it with the family. Sing the Christmas songs together that it recommends, uh, that it has lyrics for. I hope you enjoy the book. 
And thank you for listening to When We Understand the Text. Oh, yeah. The other thing I was going to mention, the book is for Kindle now 20% off. Nice. So it's $3.99 for Kindle. Woohoo. Uh, and Snatch then, that up. Yep. 12 bucks for the paperback. Enjoy it. And Merry Christmas. And we'll be back for uh, another episode of When We Understand the Text next week. Another Q&A, God willing. Yes. I'm back in our study of Acts on Monday. Awesome. Let's conclude with prayer. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together, and uh, and we just pray that we're filled with thanksgiving. We're regularly praising God for the goodness that you show to us day by day, including the forgiveness of sins that's given in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, rose again from the grave, so that all who believe in him will not perish under the judgment of God, but we will have everlasting life with you in your eternal kingdom. Grow us steadfastly in sanctification, in holiness, and righteousness day by day, and give us courage to share this message of your gospel with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I got, um, I did skip to the end. I still have to, because I didn't listen to the last episode, so I got to listen to that one and then the oh, one on yeah. holiness. Uh-huh. Creak. Whoa, that is a creaky chair. How did that happen? You're going to break it, babe. You gave me this chair. <laughs> that might have been one of the... Uh, the creaky ones? <laughs> right. <laughs> one of the ones I set aside specifically because it was doing that. I don't know. I guess it got swapped out. I didn't move it. This is when we understand the text, a daily Bible study in the word of Christ, that we may be conformed in his image until the day that until the day that he comes in glory. Until the day he comes in glory. Yeah, you can you can do it that way. Do I need to move my mic? Or do I need Yep, 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 yours. Yep. Yep, yep Probably have to, yep. Yep, sure. Yep, yep. Whoa. Have to move it right there. All right. That better? Oh, wow. I am loud. Okay. Do I, I need to move? I mean, you should be a little closer than that. A little closer? Yeah. Like there this? Hello. Better. Ow. Can you remain in that position? I don't think so. <laughs>